Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit Firesider.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, recording at Heritage Radio Network in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today is Monday, May 16th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. Right now, I am chilling in Maine, working an acting gig. But, <laughs> We're not going to do the sound effects again like we did on the other recording, okay? Uh, but you can find me at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 30. Three straight and single. Yeah, so we're not in Maine right now. Um, we are in Bushwick, but it's April. We're pre-recording the show because Ben is still out of town as of now, doing his show in Maine. I'll be back ass next and week, everyone. Names. Yeah, and next week we will be back with our first live show together of this season. Um, but right now, after the break, we are going to be joined by Kim Dower. She is a poet. We're going to get to a lot about that, and she is a literary publicist. Kim from LA.com. She works with writers to promote their books and coaches them to get ready for interviews. So she's going to coach us on how to present our best selves in dating and sort of where the crossover is of public speaking and first dates. There's definitely some crossover. I, I think, think so. so. Like, yeah. And I'm psyched to get some tips. Yeah. So, and in in, I read a lot of, you know, everybody basically interview with her that I could find. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can use this. So we're going to get to that. But first, um, ben, let's jump into when talking about presentations of ourselves with first dates. What is one thing you want to stop giving yourself a hard time about on a fir- like regarding first date presentation? Something you want to like just let go of? It's a good question. Um, you know, I'm actually surprisingly I'm very hard on myself about almost every single thing in my life. Except for this, like really? I feel like I go into dates very relaxed, um, you, and I buddy. feel very comfortable and confident just being myself. I'm so proud. Um, so I don't really have anything that I f- feel like I uh. give myself a hard time about. You know, I, I've got this like stylish slick back hair I and uh, sometimes I have a bad hair day. You know, it happens to all of us. But um, you don't beat yourself up for Well, it. no, I mean, that'd be the one minor thing that okay. maybe, you know... But I feel like I, that's not going to make or break a first date. You don't know. That's true. Never, never... It, it, it would make it for me, because you don't know what the power my hair has over the ladies. <laughs> right. Uh, how about you? What's, what do you give well, yourself Well, mine, actually, right before the show, we were talking about pictures and taking selfies and, and the way we look and whatever. And, like, so on the show before, we've talked about, 
just sort of my health issues. And one of them is I feel like I don't look like I feel inside because of just the way my health has been the past two years. Like I see photos of myself and I don't look now like I look when I'm healthy. And I've actually written an article on weight loss and weight gain for women going through illness. It's on Bust called Please Don't Call Me Pretty. I'm just sick and skinny or something like that. You can go to my website, wordsfoodart.com. It's there. Um, so there's just, I have this disconnect between the way I look when I'm healthy and the way I look now, even though like my health is somewhat better and I've lost a little bit of weight or whatever. But like, so my thing about first aid impressions that I really want to work on giving myself less of a hard time about is not looking as good as I want to look. Like I worry about how, how attractive I'm going to be. You are fucking beautiful. Thank Jacqueline. you. And I know, and and like, I know it that pains you, me but... to hear you say that. And we were just, you know, as know. we were getting ready to record this I know, session, we were you were like, this taking some selfies over there and like talking about the way you looked in them. And it was upsetting me to hear you say negative things about your appearance, not only because I think you're beautiful and you're my friend, but because you just, I mean, there's no reason to beat yourself up for that. One, you have no control over it. Right. And two, like that is, you know, your beauty, which is potent is like low on the list of the amazing things that you have to offer as a human being. Um, and I would Thank say you. that like, you know, I you know, can that's focus why I on those positive go. things that you That's have why I to do want to let it go. That's why I really do want to let it go. But that's just, I think a hard thing that's sort of, you know, in, in the web of the health stuff that I'm going through. And then just the self-consciousness we get on first dates. Like I'm not, I'm not as little and pretty as I was, you know, before because I'm also getting older too so it just it just happens so but that's definitely the thing that I want to let go of but that leads us perfectly into um, our segment before we bring Kim on let's talk about what we want to project on a first date what we want to about ourselves and what we want the other the person in front of us to project so like first dates like it's it's first impressions you sort of have a very small amount of time to make a strong first impression i think we all especially since we're online daters we either set expectations or don't set expectations by what we see of somebody on paper as it were so like for you ben like what do you want your date to see in you in those in those first moments when you're sitting across from them i mean there are several qualities that i want my date to see in me mostly i want them to see me for who i really am which um, is what which well for the positive things that of who i really am there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of darkness that they can you know scratch away at and find later on down the road so if i allow them right to now. see it bury those down um, don't come out of the first date but i want to uh come across as compassionate and empathetic i want to come across as i want to share my sense of humor um, I want to share my intellect and I want to share my insight and my passion for, um, exploring what it means to be a human being and to like get into, um, to sh share them, you know, what excites me and to share them my own excitement about, uh, life so that they can see that I'm a passionate person who cares deeply about things. And what's most important, like what to you in a first impression will attract you to the person sitting across from you? What do you want to most see in them? Is it kind of weird that like I look for those same, like I'm no, <laughs> am I, I looking think... for like the female version of me? Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't think that'd be weird at but all. But yeah, I mean, but... I look for a lot of those same things. I mean, I definitely want someone who I can laugh with, although I don't know that that's necessarily the most important. It is important to me, but like so many people are like sense of humor is the most important thing. And like, I think sense of humor is different than just having a, like a lighthearted rapport to a certain extent where like you can just, 
you speak a similar comedic language versus like right. I'm good at telling jokes you yes know? exactly like, yeah. I mean well everyone's sense of humor is different right. too you know so you just so, have to have a compatible sense of what you totally. find funny but even that is like it's more important to me to find someone interesting to find someone who's passionate who has ideas of their own that they care about and are committed to and want to explore and, and that's what you need to see off the bat in order to get it I mean to at some point on a first date on a first date I think gotcha. so well, my things are sort of more contrasting between what I want to project and what I want to see. You're not as um, narcissistic as I am. No, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't think that's it at all. Actually, I think it's that like you say that you want to be compassionate and, and, you know, sound intelligent and you want humor and insight. Like when I was thinking about this question for myself, what do I want a first date to see me as? Like I, I feel confident that like my depth as a human being comes across like in my experience dating my depth, my compassion comes across. Um, my, the fact that I'm sort of nerdy at certain things and my intellect and I'm a serious person, I feel like that's going to come through no matter what. Well, right. So the things that I want to project are a little bit more of like the lighthearted things. I want to be like, I feel like I'm serious enough already. So in a first date impression, I want to be, um, you know, I want to be charming and I want to be because I feel like the other things are going to be there, and I don't know if I'm because I feel like in the so lack like of, you're telling me that you like are putting on a bit of an act. On no, the first I don't think I'm putting on a bit of that. I think I can be charming and I can be like cute and I can be like you know sexy and I can be flirty. I just feel like I haven't been putting those out there. Mm, so you're talking about like being, highlighting the dormant parts of your personality. Yeah, the things that like I'm. All the time, I'm pretty, you know, serious and I'm deep and I like I because I care so much about other people. I feel like especially my track record of the past couple of, you know, short term relationships I've had, they've been I've fallen into a supportive role of somebody else. And there hasn't been as much like flirty, sexy, passionate, you know, like let's just make out. Let's just like, I want a guy to really want to see me again after the first time. I feel like that's what's been missing. And that is a part of me. I just feel like it's not a part of me that like I focused on. Mm. So that's what, and then on the flip side with a guy, what I want to see is I want him to also be charming and I want him to be, you know, masculine in a way that complements my femininity. And I want like, as far as like humor, I just want to have an easygoing conversation that where we talk about a bunch of things and it can go from the dramatic, but it can also be lighthearted. Like I don't want, my relationships, like, because I'm such a deep person, I'm attracted to deep people, they fall deep really quickly. And I think for a first date and impressions, like, to get me to really be, like, jonesing to see the guy again, and I want him to be jonesing to see me again, I think they have to be a little bit more flirty, uh, flirty and charming and vivacious. I, you know, it's interesting because I just had a first date that we were talking about a little bit before we came on the air. Actually, now it was... A you know, over ago, a month yeah. ago, but um, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, but today. for all intents and purposes, yeah. it was just a couple of days ago, and um, it had so much of what you're talking about right now. The flirty it was part so or? flirty, right. yeah. Like we were like making out like two hours oh, into it, yeah, and that. like uh, you know holding hands and just kind of like all over each other, and we you know we ended up spending like nine hours together. It was like a kind of like a romantic, yeah. fun, like sexy date, and like, it was really exciting. And I'm not sure if it, like, has all of the other things that I was just talking about, if those things right. exist in the relationship. But it was nice, like, I mean, now that you're mentioning it, to have to all those have other those. things that, like, can generate, you know, interest in getting to know someone more deeply. Yeah, because I feel like my past two mini relationships have been with people who, again, because I'm deeply, you know, soulful and smart, like, talking about deep issues, and I'm attracted to those kind of people, the relationships were mostly about that, 
and not what, as like like are, I've had nine ten hour dates and not been making out. Totally, well, them. like I was just and gonna I say, you're that. coming out of right. particularly a, specifically that a one. date. But even like the one or two before that, like they're just so deep and so like about you know like they're just wonderfully so. But like I miss just the fun part of dating. You, I definitely need that, but don't you feel like if you only are looking for that on the first date that you might not get the other things? And I think those other no, things are mandatory that, like for I you, said, right? The other things are going to be there in order for me to want to flirt and be attracted to someone and like to find the like those things like they're going to have to be charmed. But I'm going to only be attracted anyway if those things are naturally there. I just feel like for me, I'm not going to come across as ditzy. I'm not going to come across as airhead as you know airheaded or simplistic or because that's not who I am and I can't fake that anyway. So I just want to highlight like the lighter part of me so that. You know, for other the other serious people that I'm going to be serious about, I can, you know, get the lighthearted part of them, too, in the first date. I think that's a wise decision. I think I can learn a little bit from you. I've actually been trying to employ that myself. Yeah. Um, so we should actually both do that and report back on our findings. Okay. So when you when we're back in the studio together, for real, at this point, six weeks from now, <laughs> maybe something will have happened by then. Brilliant. Cool. Um Right now, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we will be back shortly with uh, Kim Dower, but we just want to mention that you should go on to the heritageradionetwork.org and click on that beating heart and send some money in. Send some love your way in the form of money. Yeah, like you, you pay for, for Netflix and for Hulu and for the New York Times and stuff. Like, drop Heritage Radio some love. They make it so easy for us to do this. And if you listen every week... You know, $5 we love a them. Month. We know you love us. Yeah. It's a big love circle. So just it's a uh, love fest. It's a love fester. It is. So it's a love boil. if you can <laughs> uh, spare some cash, donate to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We will be back shortly. Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice, and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Fire Cider added whole, raw, certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire Cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire Cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. Kim Dower is the author of three collections of poetry, Air Kissing on Mars, Slice of Moon, and most recently, Last Train to the Missing Planet. Her poetry is stunning, so we highly suggest you go to our site today to read one of her kick-you-in-the-gut poems that that uses food as a centering point, and for even more, head to www.kimdowerpoet.com. Kim also owns the literary publicity company Kim from L.A., working with writers to promote their books and coaching them to get ready for interviews and public speaking. 
Originally from New York City, Kim is calling in from her home in West Hollywood, California. Thanks for coming on the show, Kim. We're so excited to have you here. Hey, well, thank you so much. It's been fascinating. I'm so glad I'm not dating anymore. <laughs> well, I I am. It, it is torture. Like a lot of work. It is. This show is exhausting. We've talked in the past about how dating is can be exhausting sometimes because of it. Yeah, so, but it doesn't. It should be fun, but we'll get into that. Exactly. So, yeah, so with all that you do, um, we've asked you to come on the show because, like I was saying earlier, with what I've read about you and what you do, there seems to be a lot of crossover between how you coach people into public speaking opportunities and what Ben and I were saying before about how we present ourselves on the first date and what we want to project and what we might actually be projecting. So especially because this is part of our series, Our Bodies, Ourselves, what is the biggest difference you've noticed between how we think we are presenting ourselves publicly and what the reality might be? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to answer that. I mean, there's a huge difference. But I just want to go back to, because I was listening to you guys talking at first, and I want to say that uh, I tell my clients who come here for media training before they go on book tours and before they do job interviews and all kinds of things, that there's no difference between a good interview and a good date. A good interview and a good date are both about having fun. If both parties don't have fun, it's not a success. And that's true on an interview, and it's true on a date. So I think that's a really important thing to, to remember, and we'll, we'll go back to that. That relieves but, a lot of pressure, honestly. Like, that's sort of, I feel like we need to be reminded of that sometimes, that first well, dates should be fun. Well, it's easier to have, just have fun than to do all the other things you guys were saying that you want to get across in a first date, which is a lot of stuff when you're just meeting someone. But I, the, the fact is, and I'm sure you would agree with me, that the way we see ourselves and the way the world sees us is often very much opposite. What What is an example of that? Well, I think that we can feel, I mean, I think Ben was saying, and, you know, I'm not, obviously I don't know Ben, but he was saying that he wants to get all these different feelings across on that first date. He wants to show he's compassionate and human, and he wants to hear about the person's intellect, and there's a whole list of things, and... I don't know how the person is perceiving this person who wants all of that information. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there may be a certain, he may act a certain way that he really isn't in just normal everyday life because his expectations are very high. So I think that there's a, a sort of um, uh a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves when we're on these dates or going to interviews, a pressure that doesn't exist in day-to-day. And parts of our personalities and who we are and sort of an easygoing person may be obscured because there's this anxiety that's covering it. And it will, it will appear in different ways with different people. For some people, we have different habits, like playing with our hair, for women especially, um, Speaking a certain way, we don't normally speak because we want to make an impression. So we may not even be aware of these subtle differences. So how do we figure out what those differences are? Well, I don't think we need to figure out what those differences are. I think uh, you're going about it in a much more complicated way. I think that the same, well, there are three ingredients 
when you're doing an interview, and I believe on a date, that are the most appealing. And if we think about what those are, we don't have to worry about how the world sees us and how we convey ourselves. It's sort of confused and complicated. But everyone loves confidence. Everyone's attracted to confident people. Not egomaniacs, but just people who feel confident, people who feel comfortable. Everyone also appreciates candor and authenticity and being who you are. And everyone loves people who ask questions about them. And this is the default position that we should always use on a date or in an interview. Ask someone about themselves. First of all, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. And everyone likes to be asked, so what, what's your favorite this or what, what do you like? Or tell me about where you grew up or did you like school or any kind of question that you may ask someone. Just to, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm finding myself being getting very defensive uh, for myself <laughs> here. Um, and so just to like chime in on that, like, don't you think that the type of question that you might ask someone can um, share a lot about who you are and... You know, there's the difference between asking someone like, you know, what, so what do you do for a living? Or like, what are you passionate about? What do you love about your work? Um, well, I think, let me just say that talking about work, um, it's a very American thing. Like in Europe, and if you go on a date or go to a dinner party, no one says, what do you do for a living? That's a very American thing. We want to know what people do. And it's not very sexy, and it's not very fun. Agreed. Because who wants to talk about what we do? And if you, last time you can remember going to a dinner party, unfortunately, people don't have them as much as they used to. But in those good old days where you'd sit and you'd meet new people and you'd talk, that question is a real turnoff. But, you know, where did you grow up? Or did you like school? Because, I mean, God, I hated high school. What about you? Um, those are questions that, that might be interesting and that might tell you a little bit about. And your point about the kind of question you ask, what does it tell about you? I mean, everything you do is going to tell about you. But, uh, you, you know, I hear from a lot of women after dates and they say, um, he didn't ask me one question about myself the whole night. Oh, God, yeah. I've lived that over and over again. And I think that that, I don't get that, but I think that women, we're taught and we learn, you know, because we're just more giving. I mean, we learn how to, how to be that way. It's sort of something we're forced into in a lot of ways. We ask about how someone else is, and it's, it's rare that we get that back. So for the men listening out there, the question, you know, how do you feel about this or any kind of question is, an, is, a, is more of a question than she's gotten in a long time on a date, I can assure you. I want to circle back to what you were saying before about instead of worrying about what you're projecting, just going to dates or presentations for fun or being genuine because both being on you know, one side, I'm generally not nervous for dates. And I'm obviously not nervous in public speaking, having an acting background and doing media and radio. But I think a lot of people are I've definitely been on first dates where I can tell the person opposite me is nervous. So right. how do you coach people, especially since you work a lot with people giving public presentations? How do you coach just that aspect of getting us to relax and be present when we are with somebody that we've only known on paper or in front of a stranger, so that we can be genuine and that we can have fun? I think one thing that works in an interview, and I'm, 
it works for everything is you have to think this this is going to sound kind of obvious but ask yourself why before planning how and this is something i do with authors before they go on a book tour why did you write the book and why do you want to go talk about it and the obvious thing is well i want to make money or i want the book to sell or but if you start peeling back the layers you get to the heart of the answer well, this is something that affected me when I was a child, and I really want to get out there and get the word out. You get to that, what Ben was saying, the passionate part, the part that is really who you are and what you want to convey. And before you go on a date with someone, it's not a bad time to ask yourself, why are you doing this? I mean, you don't, we don't have to go on that date. So uh, the obvious reason, well, you want to go on a date, you want to meet someone. But if you keep peeling back the layers, well, why? Why this person? What, what do you want to happen? And you get to the truth for yourself. You can go out there and be more authentic and be more confident because you're going knowing what you want to get out of it. And, you know, usually what we want to get out of it is a connection. It. It, it's not marriage, you know, it's not necessarily going home with that person that night. It's a connection. We want to connect with another human being. And how do we make that connection happen? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. We make it by showing them a little bit of who we are and finding out a little bit of who they are, and perhaps there's going to be a connection there. Now, this might be a little bit off um from exactly what we're speaking about. But a couple of weeks ago, we had the ladies of the food book fair on and we discussed being four people who are unafraid to make the first move in business that we have no fear about sending the email or making the phone call to get something to move forward in business. But especially uh, for the women in the room, we're a little bit more reticent to make the first move to ask a guy out on a date to make a connection to put ourselves out there in that way. Right. So how so I mean, there, have you seen sort of that difference in how people can be confident in one realm and not the other in other direction? And how can we be specifically because we're a dating show? How can we be as confident in personal relationship risks as many of us are in business? Well, you know, it's a great question. And, and it's, it's all about feelings and feeling vulnerable. If we're, you know, there are a lot of business women who feel very confident. They're not afraid, as you say, to make that first move. They want the business. They go after it. They know how to do it. They have the skills and they believe in themselves. They believe that they can close the deal and they can make it happen and they can do the work. And when you feel those things, because there are people, you know, men and women just starting out who don't feel that kind of confidence. Well, if I make the call, can I really deliver? Can I really do the marketing effort that they want? Etc. Etc. But when you have that feeling that you know, listen, there's no one better at this than I am, and I'm going to go after it. You're saying, how can we have that feeling in our personal lives? Well, you know, think about it. We we're vulnerable, as you say. We don't maybe we don't feel we look as good as we could or should look. We're not going to be able to convey everything we want to convey up front. So there's all these vulnerabilities. The best way. To do it again, I think, is to say, what do I have to offer that no one else has to offer? Because each one of us is very different, and we do have things to offer that no one else can offer. So what are those things, and how can we in one date get them across and feel confident enough? You know, it's we're so hard on ourselves, as we've heard in the beginning of this, 
but sometimes to just think of one thing that's important to us or matters and that we want to convey in that date. Just like in an interview. I say always go into an interview knowing the three things you're going to say no matter what. No matter what they ask you, what are the three things you want to get out? And when you go on a date, it's, it's similar. What are, you know, what are three things that you want to happen in that date? And I'm not saying that you can't be spontaneous because, of course, a date should be. But you want to convey that you're a person who loves to talk about books or, you know, what's really important to you and how can you get that across? So you're talking about goal setting to a certain degree as far as, like, entering into a date. You know, I think that that, it it sounds um, so business-like, but I think that's a good way to put it because the goal that you're setting is a small, this is what I'd like to achieve tonight. This is what's important to me. And it takes away worrying about some of the other things. You know, how do, and here's another thing. We get very self-conscious on dates. You know, what are they thinking of us? Did I say the wrong thing? Is there food in my teeth? Oh, my God, I didn't (laughs) pronounce that person's name right. I didn't, like, there's all this panic. And, again, if we go back to your business people and the businesswoman closing the deal, you know, she's not worried about that because what's, you know, what's going to happen if she doesn't get it? She won't get a job. But no one is going to be criticizing the way she looks or the way she is. So, again, that vulnerability. But the goal setting that, that you mentioned, the idea of that is to say is exactly that. Tonight, I'm going to go out. I want to see who this person is. You know, I met them online or we had a quick chat or whatever. I think this person might be interesting, but I don't know. And I don't know if he or she will find me interesting. But tonight, my goal is just to find out just to open the door and see if there's anything there. And I have no expectations, and I'm not a bad person if it doesn't work, but my goal is to see if there's a connection, period. That's very comforting. It's empowering, I think, too, because you can set a goal and achieve it, and even if you had a date that you don't consider necessarily you want to date the person again, you can feel like you went out and achieved a goal. Exactly. And having that goal and knowing yourself well enough and being kind to yourself to just say, look, it's going to work or not. And there's two people in this room. It's not going to be just me if it doesn't work. All of those messages give you confidence because I'm not saying you should walk in and not care. It's not one of these things like, look, I don't care if he or she likes me or not. You do care, but you but you keep it in perspective, and it, and it gives you the ability to have all those things come out. You can talk about what's exciting to you or passionate. You can talk about things that inspire you. You can talk about what you like, and you can ask the person the same questions because either the connection is going to be made or it's not. That is very empowering, Ben. I agree with you completely. Um, before we close out, um, Obviously, at the top of the show, knowing that this conversation was coming, Ben and I sort of gave ourselves an out as far as what we want to not give ourselves a hard time about regarding first dates. So as somebody who has coached so many people through a bunch of these big questions in a way that's very tangible because they have presentations or tours or whatever it is coming up, what do you wish the majority of your clients would stop being so hard on themselves about? Well, everyone is so self-critical that 
this the self-criticalness stops you from seeing the truth. Now, it sounds sort of like a puzzle, but one thing I think that you said was that um, you were worried about the way you look and you were worried that you don't look as good as you might or you have been. And then I think that you said, oh, no, you're beautiful, you know, blah, 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 which is so sweet. And I'm sure you are beautiful. But let me say this. The things that we worry about and obsess about, they're not going to go away. We can't say, oh, no, but you are beautiful if the other person doesn't feel beautiful. So what I say is... Let yourself feel that feeling. And don't say, no, it isn't true, no, it isn't true. Say, let's say it's true. And then the next thing is, so what? You know, if you're not looking as good as you could or might be or have, that's fine. You will again or you won't. But who are you the way you are now? I like that. I like that so what. Because sometimes, cause on some dates when I don't feel like I look my best anyway, I am confident and I've had a good day and I feel like I go in and kick ass and it doesn't matter how I look. And so I, I'm going to keep that so what in the back of my mind in those I moments mean, when it, I don't it, feel it as confident. So what because what can we do? And it starts to just drain the confidence right. away from the other parts of us. I mean, I think that what I, what I tell people, first of all, it's very hard when we're on camera and we do coaching and then you look at yourself. People cannot look at themselves. They just go crazy. Oh, my God, I can't believe I have that. Oh, I need plastic surgery. Oh, I can't believe that I'm doing that with my legs. I can't. Everyone, the first thing we do is just start tearing ourselves apart. And I can't possibly see how that's helpful. Mm. This, the self-criticism is just, it's, it's terrible. I, wanna, I can't say enough how important it is to ask other people questions. You know, when you're giving a speech or a presentation and everyone's looking at you, that's when we get very self-conscious. And when we hand things out in a talk and have people read something or write something on a piece of paper or turn to someone else to talk, it takes the eyes off of us and we can regain our, our confidence and it gets people involved. And that's exactly the same thing in a date. Thank you so much, Kim, for yeah, that. That's are... really excellent insight and uh, some helpful tools for both Jacqueline and I and our listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Kim. Those are really amazing takeaways that Ben, I, I will definitely be putting into practice and reporting back on down the line. Thanks so much for joining hey, us today. Hey, good luck, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, listeners, yeah. you can find Kim at kimdowerpoet.com or kimfromla.com, and you can find one of her amazing food poems at our site today, lovebitesradio.com. That is our show for today. Please join us again next week when Ben and I will be back in the studio live together with actually one of Kim's former clients, Kristen Newman, calling in. She's the author of What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding and is going to talk about what she learned from international promiscuity and her years Ooh. as being a single world traveler. It's going to get hot in here. It is. Well, yeah, next week when we're back in here together. Um, until then, thanks to our engineer, Jack Inslee, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. Come back and join us again this time next week live here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. See ya. Thanks for listening.
listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.